increase. Thank you, Lord. All right. I got a lot of scripture today. And I might have to break this up into two parts. And I got this from what my wife and I, we talked about. She was telling me about the battle of the Lord. The battle, the battle is the Lord's. And that's the title of my sermon, is the battle is the Lord. We were talking about it, and she was telling me that God is the one that fights our battles. All we have to do is stand. All we have to do is stand. But we got to stand in faith. We got to stand in trust. And we got to stand in believing. Amen? Amen? That's how we stand. And we're only as strong as our weakest link. Amen? So even though we might be standing in faith and saying that we are, but if we doubt in our minds, then there's a weak link. Amen? We got to get rid of any doubt. No doubting Thomas is here. <laughs> no doubting Gideon's here. <laughs> Amen. But I want to talk to you today about who you are first. Because we got to realize who we are in Christ Jesus. So that we can stand. We got to know who we are. We got to know who we are so we can face those giants in our lives that come up against us that we face every day. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ, then we will cower when the giants come. You know. I'm going to read it to you later. I don't know if it's in this part or next. But in 1 Samuel, chapter 17, it's the story of David and Goliath. And the one thing that's so interesting is here you've got a Philistine army on one mountain. You've got the Israelites on the other mountain. And the Israelites do not know who they are, basically. They don't know who they are. And I want you to get this clearly of who you are in Christ Jesus. We got to get this in our hearts and in our minds. First, we got to get it in our minds. So we can get down into our hearts. Because once we got it in our hearts on who we are, then there will be nothing that we could not do. And there will be nothing that will come against us that would prosper. Nothing could come against you. If you know who you are in Christ Jesus, there is nothing on this earth, no weapon in hell that is formed against you will prosper. John 1, verse 12. It says, To all... Who received him, to those who believed in his name, have gave the right to become children of God. Number one, 
You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a king's kid. You are a Lord's kid. Amen? You are a king's kid. You are the king of kings kid. There is no higher king than God. And when you're a king's kid, then you've got free reign to the whole kingdom. That means everything in heaven is yours. Everything in heaven is yours. Everything on earth is yours. 1 John 3, 1 through 2. 1 John 3, 1 through 2. It says, How great is the love of the Father that He has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This is what John is saying. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that because it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. Amen. We are children of God. That is what we are, John is saying. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a royal priesthood, a people chosen by God. That is who you are. Do you understand that that is who you are? You're a king. Get excited about my messages. And I don't even need it because I'm so loud. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm declaring it. I'm declaring to you who you are. Just like it says here, we need to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into the wonderful light. We need to declare it. When you declare it, you confess it. You shout it. Amen. You make a statement. You put up a standard. And you believe it. We need to declare in our hearts that we're children of God. I mean, you need to declare. Let's declare it together. I'm a child of God. Let's say it. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I declare it. Let the enemy hear it. 
Let him hear it. Because when he hears it, he'll tremble because of who is in you. Because he'll be afraid of you. Let him hear you declare that word. You know, my wife told me this week that the enemy can't hear our thinking, our thoughts. He doesn't know what we're thinking. But he hears it when you speak it. And if you speak negativity, it goes out in the airs. Because who is he? He's the prince of darkness. He's got power and authorities over the air. So when we speak it and we declare it, he hears it. And he's like, oh no, I'm afraid of him. And he puts a target on you because he doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to know who you are. And just like the Israelites up on that mountain and the Philistines on the other side, they, he didn't want them to know who they were. And I'll get to that in 1 Samuel. He doesn't want you to know who you are. Because who you are is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Who you are is somebody that can walk on water, raise the dead, heal the sick, drive out demons, cast them out. That is who you are. You're a dynamo. You're a power-packed man and woman of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. It says, do you not know, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? What does 1 John 4, 4 say? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And here Paul says in Corinthians, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is inside of you. He is inside of each one of us right now working. He's working to drive out the flesh and to make space for God. To make space for the Holy Spirit. Who is at work in you. The Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What is that price? It's the price of the precious blood of Jesus. You've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. All one little drop will do. It's all it takes. And he'll make you whiter than snow. Amen? Amen. You've been bought with the precious blood. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You are a temple. What other God dwells within like that? What other God is capable of that? Do you know I was reading in Gideon, and it was talking about the Asherah pole, and it was talking about Baal, everything that was made by man. Have you ever seen an asterisk pole walk across water? Nope. Have you ever heard of Baal setting out the universe? 
Nope. All earthly gods, not even gods, little g. All false gods. Not one of them will dwell inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6.17 You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's 20. Let's go to 17. 1 Corinthians 6.17 I'm going too fast. Thank you, Jesus. But whoever unites himself, in my Bible it says, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Do you realize that you could be one with God. One with God in spirit. And being one in spirit means you have reached a level of intimacy that very few have ever obtained. My mother, mother-in-law challenged me yesterday about how I can relate a racing movie that Julie and I went to watch last night, Ford versus Ferrari. And I just thought of this, not in my notes. I just thought of it, and I remembered it. Remember when you said last night, Mom, I wonder how Chris can preach about race cars when we were on the phone when we were going down? And I took it as a challenge at the time. I was like, I can preach on race cars. I can, I can get something in there on race cars. But let me tell you, that was a great movie. And I recommend it to everybody. It was clean. It was phenomenal. Ask your, don't believe me because you know who grandpa is. Ask your grandmother. She loved it. He was one, the driver, Ken Miles, was one with that car. And he operated that car in fluency. And he knew everything about it. When he got in and he drove it, and he goes, it's too heavy in the nose, it feels, or it's too light here, it's too heavy there. He was one with the vehicle, and it showed out when he raced on the racetrack. They worked in perfect harmony. We can have that same perfect harmony with God. We really can. It's available to all of us. We think it's untouchable because God... Is God, and who are we? But God says that we can be one with Him in the Spirit. We can be one with Him in Spirit. We can be united with the Lord in such a tight intimacy, in such a close level. And it's attainable. Very few have ever done it. But it's been done. Being one in the Spirit with God is like what Paul said. Well, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. That's being one in the Spirit. That's being led by the Spirit. Being one in Spirit is being loyal. 
It's being generous. It's having love. It's having a communication with God. It's communion with God. Communing together. It's flowing together and moving together in perfect harmony and grace. And I can't help but picture in my mind, my wife showed this to me, I don't think it was this week or last week. On her Facebook page there, she had pictures of the northern lights. And they just looked like they're just dancing across the twilight sky, didn't they? They were beautiful. That's how they flowed. And just flowing together and moving together. And it was amazing. We can have a oneness. We can flow with God in such intimacy. And I think that every woman in here strives that in her marriage with her husband. Because that's what every woman wants. Is that intimacy with their husbands like that. But God is a lot like that. Because God wants that same intimacy with us as he wants with a husband and a wife. Do you know that in Samuel, I think it's Samuel 18, but Jonathan, I don't have it on my notes, Joe, but John, I'm just going to paraphrase. I, I know it because I read it. But Jonathan loved David so much that they were like one. He was a, it was a oneness in there. Let me see. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him, it says, as himself. In other words, he loved David as much as he loved himself. He loved David. And as children of God, God so wants us to have that oneness with Him. He so desires that relationship, relationship, I can't even say it, that relationship with Him. He so desires us to go deeper and deeper and deeper in Him, where it is no longer us that live, but it's Christ that lives within you. God made that possible for us. God made that possible for us to be that close to Him. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing that God made it that possible that we can be so close with God that we can walk in the Spirit as if it was the Holy Spirit Himself. We can be tuned into God so closely that every word he says we can hear. That is who you are. That is who God created you to be. You have been created in the image of God. It says it in Genesis chapter 1. Let's see. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. 
It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. So do you want to know what you look like? You look like God. Isn't that funny? But it's true, just like how a child looks a lot like their parents. And didn't God call us children of God? Didn't he say that we are children of God? And just as a child carries down those same uh, portraits or genes as their parents do, they have similarities. We look like God. You want to know what God looks like? Look at yourself in the mirror. Look at your brothers and sisters. Look at your wife. Look at your mother-in-law. Look at your father-in-law. Look at your friends. That's what God looks like. We look like God. And if you believe all that, if you believe in then who you are and the oneness we can have, then the cares of this world will grow strangely dim. Won't it? The cares of this world will grow strangely dim. Because we will no longer be living for the world, but we will be living for God. We'll be living for the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of Chris or earth. (laughs) Or Julie or Joan or Debbie or Joe or Lizzie or... Grace and Julie and Stella and Ephraim will be living for God's kingdom and not our own. We'll be walking in His wonderful light and in His grace. And the cares of this world will grow strangely dim because it won't matter. They just fade away. But the problems we have is that we forget or we don't know who we are. That's why I went over all of this first. We can't face our giants and be successful if we don't first know who we are. How can we face the giants? How can we stand in the battle? It's like I said last week. How can we trust and know God if we don't know God? How can you stand in faith if you don't know who you're standing for? Or what you're standing for? How can we face any problems or any giants if we don't know who we are? Even if I forget who I am, Or even I forget who I am at times. And at sometimes I even think, well, when I grow up, I want to do this or do that. You know? I mean, honestly, whoever thinks that. I'm 50 years old. I think I should know by now. But I have to remind myself at times. Because I forget that I'm a king's kid. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen people. I'm a holy nation. I'm a people set apart. I've been picked by God. Each one of us here has been picked by God. I'm a vessel of the Holy Spirit. I'm a temple of God. 
we got to remind ourselves. And if I believe that, then I can face any giant that stands before me and says otherwise. If I believe that and I get that in my heart of hearts on who I am, if we get that in our hearts on who we are, then it don't matter how big of a giant that's going to stand before you. It doesn't matter. They say that Goliath was nine feet tall. Nine foot tall. That's as tall as that ceiling is right there. Just about. Can you imagine going out to battle and facing a man that's nine foot tall, whose spear hardly anybody could lift? And he wasn't just skinny guy. This was a hardened battle warrior. They say he was muscular, strong. Goliath. I'm going to read it to you. The story of David and Goliath. When we were, when Jackson lived in our house, we would talk to Jackson about his sword and giants. We would tell stories. Now how you defeat the giants. And Jackson would be like, I killed the giant with my sword. That's right. Killed the giant with our sword. And you know what our sword is? It's the word of God. Amen. The sword is the word of God. And you can defeat any giant in your life, no matter what it is. And what's so great about the word of God, it's applicable for today. Not just for 4,000 years ago. Or 6,000 years ago, the Word is alive and it's living and it's well and it's just as, in, just as applicable. You can apply it to your life today just as much as you could 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkot in Judah. I'm going to tell you, there are armies that are at war with you. Just like this Philistine army represents a demonic force, there is an army out there, a demonic force that is at war with you, that doesn't want you to know who you are. That will pitch its tent up right across the street from your house and will wait for you to cross the road and to step on his property to devour you. It's what the word says the enemy is like a roaring lion, looking and prowling around and waiting for someone to devour. The enemy has pitched up a tent against you. They pitched camp in Ephesus, Damon, between Sukkah and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath 
who was from Gath, came out of the Philistines' camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet, and on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood, and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? We will become your subjects. Wait, am I not a Philistine, and you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man, and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. They were dismayed and they were terrified. Why? Because they didn't know who they were. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know the God they served. And you would think, if I remember correctly, the people of Israelites picked out Saul. Why did they pick out Saul in the Bible as king of Israel? When they cried out for a king, why did they pick Saul? You know why? They picked Saul because they said that he was heads over top of everybody else, meaning he was taller and bigger and stronger. Saul should have been the one to go down there and fight Goliath. He was bigger and taller than all of the rest of the Israelites, right? You would think, why not Saul? They chose him a king, but he was afraid. It said there they were all terrified and they were dismayed. You know why? Because they don't know who they are. They didn't know who they were. See, the enemy can come shouting and screaming and come out and make a stand, bold stand, in your life and call you out. It says that Goliath did this for 40 days. For 40 days he did this. Forty days he defies the armies of Israel. Now listen to this. Now David was the son of an Ephratite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old. He was old. And well advanced in years, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul into war. The first born was Elab, the second 
Abinad, Nadabah, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So he not just did it once a day, he did it twice a day. Twice a day for 40 days he went out to the valley. And he's like, send the man out. If you beat me, then we'll be subjects to you. But if you win, we'll, and if I win, you'll be subjects to the Philistines. Eighty times. Now Jesse said to David, his son, take this ephah of roasted grain. Come here, Ephraim. You're going to be my, you're going to be my King David. Come on. You are Jesse's son. You are the youngest. Guess what you were doing? You were watching your daddy's sheep. And your daddy calls you up and he says, Come here. Come here, David. I want you to take this to your brothers. And I want you to give a, see how they're doing and then bring a report back to me. Right? The youngest. Are you not the youngest of your family? I am young. Do you know that King David was anointed to be king over all of Israel and he was the youngest of I'm his youngest family. Too. And he led all he led all the whole tribe of Israel. Millions of people. Alright? So you can go back and sit down. I wanted to have that. So just picture Ephraim as King David, the youngest of his family. He goes out, and I'm going to start paraphrasing because this is getting long. He goes out to see his brothers. And he hears this Philistine. He hears them say, the Israelites saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man. Who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage. And will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. So here's David. He goes out and he sees all these troops gathered there. And he hears Goliath coming out, calling out the armies, calling out Israel. Come on, send somebody. And he sees them. They're all afraid. They're scared of their giant. And David, a young man like Ephraim, Young man like Ephraim knows who he is. All of these other men do not know who they are in Christ. But David knows who he is. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine disgracing the armies of Israel? And then his older brothers heard him talking like this with the men. And they were angry at David. They were like, what are you doing 
Why have you come down here? And why did you leave our father's sheep? What? You came down only to watch the battle? David said to Saul, he said, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your your servant will go and fight. Here you have all these mighty warriors in Saul's army. And what did David said? They all lost heart. They've all defeated before the even battle was was fought. They lost. Before the, the battle was even fought, they lost heart because they didn't know who they were. And so here's a young man who says to the king, he says, don't let your men lose heart. I will go out and I will fight this Philistine. And I could imagine what Saul was thinking. I'm going to let this young man go out and fight this Philistine? Well, if I am, I better give him my sword, I better give him a shield, because he's got nothing on him but a bag of groceries that his dad sent out with him for his brothers. David put on everything. He's like, I can't fight with this stuff. I can't do this. I can't use your armor. I haven't proved it. I don't know if it works. He said, listen, I have killed both a lion and a bear with just my sling and a stone. I will do the same thing to this Philistine. The Lord who delivered me from these paws of them. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So what did David do? He went out and he picked out five smooth stones from a rock, a young man. And he defeated the giant with just a sling and a stone. He defeated the giant because he knew who he was in Christ Jesus, and he was not afraid. He wasn't going to let a giant, he wasn't going to let anything, anything from keeping him on losing heart of who he was in Christ Jesus. God will do the same thing for us if we believe in who we are. David believed in who he was and what he was capable of. He believed and he worshipped God and he loved God with all his heart. Even God said that he was a man after his own heart. I would love to be called a man after God's heart. I know each one of us here wants to be called a man or a woman after God's own heart. To have that oneness and that closeness and that intimacy with God. It's available for each one of us today, just like it was available for David. I'm sure God was with David, and God directed that stone as it went into the head of the giant, and that giant fell. 
I'm sure God was right there protecting him and keeping him safe the whole time. God will be with you in every battle if you trust him and you believe in him. And trust me, there's battles in life that we go through that come up against us every day. You know, ask your parents. You young kids that are getting ready to go off into adulthood. They have battles every day. Every day we face giants. And every day we got to remind ourselves on who we are. And that these giants are nothing. They really are nothing. Amen? Amen. I'll close with prayer. Thank you, Lord. Let us not lose heart. Let us not lose heart. Let us not forget who we are. Amen? Father, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I pray, Father, for your word. I pray, Lord God, that your word would just speak life to us. Lord God, that, Lord, that you've given us this word to remind us today, Lord God, of who we are and who we are in you. Lord, and I pray, Lord God, that we would get it in our hearts and believe it. And not doubt it, Lord God, but believe. That, Lord, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Lord God. And I pray, Father God, for, Lord God, that anything that I have said that's not of you would just fall away, Lord Jesus. And anything that I said that is of you, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you would just burn it into our spirits, Lord God. And I pray, Father, for this day your blessings upon all your people. And I pray, Lord God, for... Lord, your angels to minister to us and for your Holy Spirit. I pray for that oneness, Lord God. Help me to strive for that oneness with you, Lord Jesus. Help me to strive for that oneness in our own home, Lord God, with my wife, Lord God. And, and Lord, I pray this, Lord God, and I just pray for your anointing and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.